it was full of Trump. Silky's a registered Republican. Mercedes, the only Muslim, goes home. It was quite the episode. This is the first response. Welcome to the RuPaul's Drag Race Recap Show for Season 11, Episode 4, titled Trump the Rusical. My name is Joe Batanz, and this is the first response. This week, the girls don their best Rachel Maddow drag for the mini-challenge and put their lip-sync and dancing skills to the test in a pre-recorded take on the musical Grease, titled Trump the Rusical. On the runway, the category was orange. Evie oddly impressed the judges, but it was Silky Ganache who was crowned the winner of this week's challenge. Vanessa Vanjie Mateo, Raja O'Hara, and Mercedes Iman Diamond were in the bottom, but it was Raja and Mercedes who were placed in the bottom two. After a lip-sync battle for their lives, Raja was told, Shantae, you stay, while Mercedes Iman Diamond was asked to sashay away. Here's my hot take. So here are two things I liked about the episode and one thing I did not. The first thing I liked about the episode was... I really like, I don't know why, because it was so corny and clearly the editors were playing with it, but I really liked Joel McHale giving Michelle the business. And at first I thought it was serious, or maybe it really was serious, who knows, but you could tell that Michelle, at least for some part of it, was really annoyed at Joel McHale bringing his, which I feel is sort of unbridled fandom, but there's this thing with Michelle Visage where she thinks she has to like stand up for all gay people and people who act straight are annoying to her, and so uh, I think it was all sort of an act that she was doing because... Uh, I don't know. It was just like if a straight guy really appreciates the show as much as Joel McHale does, then let the straight guy have his day and and be really excited and express his genuine excitement for what he was seeing on the show in a very genuine straight guy way. Now, obviously, because Joel McHale is a comedian, he realized very early on that what he was doing was annoying Michelle. So then he kept doing it to push her buttons. And I think that amused me. And I think she got, as a very good comedian will do, she got that that's what he was doing. And I think, I think she started playing along. Either way, I liked it. Other thing, I really, really liked this runway. I, you know, orange isn't my favorite color. It's kind of a very extreme, harsh color. And I thought I was going to be like, ugh. Um, but actually I pretty much like the looks across the board. Yes. Some of the critiques that I saw on the runway, I thought were very valid about, you know, certain things here and there, but for such an early part of the season, I thought that the runway looks were pretty strong across the board. I personally loved them. I thought there was the colors popped, the looks popped, the, the girls clearly had a lot of fun with the looks, but, uh, I liked it. So the one thing I didn't like and this is going to be the main topic of the show, I wasn't a big fan of... It's weird. I have very complicated thoughts about Trump the Rusical. In a lot of ways, I thought the girls very much delivered. Um, they, they First of all, I love this... Um, whatever the name of the choreographer was. I have it written down in my notes, but I don't have it in front of me. 
But the choreographer is, they should bring him back every season. I thought he was great. He was hard on the girls, but not so much. Like, Todrick sort of seems like he's doing it for the camera. He seemed to be genuinely having fun with them, even being hard on them, giving them shit, pushing them. But it all seemed genuine. It seemed like a pro. And that choreography was on point. Even if it was too hard for the girls, it was really, really good choreography. You know this guy knew his shit. And so I really appreciate him for that. And I thought he did a really good job. And so I liked the choreography. I also liked, believe it or not, I was sort of dreading the idea of the musical, but I actually thought it worked out cleverly, I guess. I don't know why they felt the song sounded, you had to like really strain to figure out what song they were trying to and I know the musical Grease very well, but I was you had to strain a little bit to figure out what song they were trying to do because they didn't want to violate any copyright laws. But um, it's it's one of these things where like you didn't have to have it be Grease. It, it, the the themes through Grease were so light. It was just it actually I think in a way kind of hurt the the piece because they were trying to stick so much to Grease. If they would have just done away with the idea of Greece and just written, even if it was in the 50s theme, uh, a Trump the Rusical, it would have been fantastic. And said that would, that would have given the songwriter a little bit more freedom to play around with the number. Because uh, maybe that was one of the things, because basically what I didn't like about this whole thing, I didn't like the music. I was not a fan of the music. The lyrics weren't even bad. And I thought the idea was good. It was just the music was terrible. So one of the things I want to talk about, and I've talked about this on previous episodes, I wanted to talk about you, you could really feel the loss of Lucian Piani. You could really feel... The lack of his presence. Now, look, for those of you who are kind of new to the show and don't either maybe you don't know who Lucian Piani is, or maybe you do watch the show, you don't remember who Lucian Piani is. Lucian Piani was this really attractive, like, well, twink turned into hunk. It went from twink, twunk, hunk. Stink, stank, stunk, right? It went from twink, twunk, hunk. uh, But he was Ruse Paul's writing partner, musical writing partner. Uh, when we first saw him on the show. And I think the first time we ever see him is season five. I could be wrong. He could be in season four. But in season five, I think he is in season four, but I don't remember what it is. But in season five, for sure, he's in Can I Get an Amen? And uh, he wrote Can I Get an Amen? One of the most legendary songs from the show of all time. He wrote Glamazonian Airways. He wrote, um, obviously, because they use his music, but Rucapella, the or Bitch Perfect, um, he wrote Bitch Perfect. He wrote some of RuPaul's most memorable hits. Maybe not her best music, but more like, you know, Glamazon and Jealous of My Boogie and Cover Girl and Sissy That Walk. He wrote all those songs. He, The one thing you can't deny is that Lucian Piani can write a really catchy tune. You might say it's on the nose. You might say it's corny. You might say it's cheesy. It's repetitive, not original. But it's catchy. You can't take that away from him. And so even remember, if you can think about Glamazonian Airways or Bitch Perfect and other songs he wrote for the show, they're very, very catchy. Uh, Sometimes I catch myself singing those songs when I'm just hanging out. And so I feel, so the last thing he ever wrote was um, The Baddest Bitches in Herstory for All Stars 2. That was the last thing he ever wrote for the show. And then since then, I think that's the last really good musical number music-wise that they've had. 
And you can really feel his loss. Now, so again, for those who don't remember, what happened was he and RuPaul, and I don't, it wasn't, I don't think it was related to this. No one knows why, but RuPaul decided to go in a, mu- a different direction. Now, I've heard from people who know the whole story that it wasn't, at the time, it wasn't for any other reason that RuPaul just wanted to sort of break away from Lucian, sort of felt like she was in a rush with Lu- when they're in a rut with what Lucian was writing and wanted to go to more cool, young, call me mother kind of direction okay so she splits off from lucian now this is where it gets dangerous because i don't know the story and no one does but something happened with lucian and we can speculate as to the reasons but it was during around the time of the election of donald trump he came out on social media and he was very 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 pro-trump and uh, on social media, and very, very anti-Hillary Clinton. He, in fact, he might have been a Bernie bro, actually, if I can remember correctly. He may have been a Bernie bro who became a Trump supporter, but the point was he was very, very anti-Hillary Clinton. And he, what we started to see, and this can't be denied, was we started to see someone unravel in front of our eyes on social media, and he did some very offensive things. He called RuPaul the N-word. He, he said very offensive things online. He did a lot of things that some might deem crazy. Okay, and so the fans abandoned him. He got banned from Twitter. RuPaul blocked him. Again, I don't want to get into the reasons why this may have happened. And uh, you could do a little digging if you don't know online and find out what people think or what we know. And but uh, suffice to say, he is persona non grata in the fandom. Okay, but I think the unfortunate thing is. You know, this is, we've had, you know, this, this has been a conversation that's come up a lot recently with Michael Jackson and Woody Allen is, can you separate the art from the artist? And I think in this case, to make this point, and I'm not, I'm not uh, suggesting that, that Lucian Piani come back. I believe that bridge has been completely burned to a crisp, if I'm being honest. Even if they, even if they heal their friendship... I don't see how he comes back to RuPaul's Drag Race, okay? But it could happen, you know? But I'm not advocating for that. What I'm saying, though, is I'm just pointing out the fact that it's undeniable that you, his presence, or his lack thereof, is very, very heavy throughout the episode. In, in that I wonder what, I, you know, when I saw Kardashian the musical, I thought, oh my gosh, what would Lucian have done with this number? When I saw, um, when we see any other lip sync numbers ever since, they're just not as good. They don't, they don't have that pop. They don't have that snap. They don't have that crackle. Anything, anything you would put in a Rice Krispies ad, they don't have it. And I think, and I'm going to close out here because we're coming off on a long time here on talking about this. I feel my opinion is Lucian Piana is gone. He's not coming back. And they need to find someone who can write the same kind of tunes, the catchy tunes that we've, uh, that the show has come to miss. Otherwise, all the numbers will be forgettable. Okay, so here's what's going to happen now. I'm going to play a uh, clip. Uh, for those of you who don't subscribe to us on Patreon, uh, every day there's a new Patreon show. So what you're going to hear right after the break, we're going to go to a break right now, is a clip. 
from um, our Patreon, uh, one of our Patreon shows. It'll be about 10 minutes, and that will give you a kind of taste of what you're missing on Patreon. If you don't want to listen, don't listen. But if you want to get a sample of what you're missing on Patreon, go ahead and check out this sample. Uh, other, If you want to join Patreon, go ahead and do that at patreon.com slash drag race recap and join at the $3 level, and you will get not just a 10 minute clip you'll get a show every day in your inbox uh about either rupaul's drag race we have a show about uh losing weight but me and a comedian trying to lose weight we have um uh this camp wanakiki recap we have the rumor mill we have so many shows so uh go ahead and uh, take a listen to this clip and we'll be back right after this break uh hi evan hi Hi, 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 hi. How are you, my friend? Jorge, Jorge and I were texting, uh, even though Evan doesn't like this, we were texting just privately. talking shit about Evan. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. That's just, that's, I got the lowdown. Yeah. <laughs> you, and then finally, Jamila is here. Hello, Jamila. You talked to me first. I know, but I work, I'm saying hi to you again. This is, uh, the whole show is going to be us saying hi to each other. By the way, Jamila, I realized we didn't do this last time. You have your blog, hihowareyou.com, H-I-G-H, howareyou.com. Yes, it is a cannabis lifestyle website for people who like this sort of thing. Next up, we got some birdie big topics. Okay. All right. First up. Some birdie big? Pretty big. Pretty big. Pretty big. Um, so Eureka, she had she had she is pretty big. Again. It's pretty big. (laughs) But we we here. Eureka saw three hundred over the weekend. She did, and it was on the scale. I think she's more than um, four or five hundred. Okay. <laughs> so, um, can we get her for Fat Camp this week? I think I did the show um, with her already. Go ahead. Eureka posted about um, one of her shows that got canceled mm-hmm. at what university was it? It's in it Maine, in the University of Maine. That's what it was. Um, and she says she posted this on it looks like Facebook. And she's just like, I'm so sorry to tell my fans that um, I, um, I have been kicked off of this show um, because my, my character is being attacked pretty much, um, just to sum it up. Um, and it, obviously, if you do just a quick Google search of Eureka's character, you find out that she <laughs> has some trouble with people calling her racist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so her past is trying to clean that up right now. Mm-hmm. So was she fired or was she, did she get dropped from it? Like, well, so based on her post on, um, Facebook and looking up on, um, um the internet, she was definitely let go. Mm-hmm. Um, she's owning up to anything that she's, um, she's done wrong as well, which was, mm-hmm. which is great. Joe, yes. your opinion? My opinion? <laughs> um, look, here's the deal. I always struggle with Eureka because of all the drag queens I've ever interviewed. I've interviewed her the most. I've interviewed maybe like four or five times. And every single time she's like the, the nicest, most wonderful, most generous, kind, giving drag queen I've ever interviewed. But she does the most problematic things, which make it very difficult for her but i guess the bigger topic and the bigger question here george that will and this is maybe where we'll take it because what they're talking about is years ago i don't know how long ago it could be three years ago it could be 10 years ago i don't know she made some sort of video and posted it on social media where she very casually dropped the n-word okay and three times three in the same video george or is it yeah 
And the well, same, maybe we watch different ones. Or maybe you watched the video three <laughs> times. She's, she's had an icky past. Yeah. She, um, she the one I watched, past. she was, she said the N word three times. Oh, okay. It was, she was repeating a, a song lyric. Oh, oh, she's repeating a song. That's a very important point. And then also like she, and I'm not, I'm not giving an opinion. I'm just giving facts here. She's multi, apl- apologized for this multiple times. Okay. But then also then, but then the, the crazy thing is apologizes and then does something out of control that sort of negates everything mm-hmm. that, uh, like, we'll say, like, I'm treated like a black person or something like that. And you're like, no, you're not. So she does problematic things all the time. But the bigger question is here, we'll go to Jamila first because she's a resident black expert, mm-hmm. um, is one, her thoughts on Eureka, but also do people, are should they be held accountable for mistakes they've made in the past? Because it, I didn't put it in, but I guess Ariel Versace dropped the N-word about 10 years ago on social she media did, as well. via Twitter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what, okay. are, what are your thoughts here, Jamila? Okay. So I think that that question that you just asked is only a question that people ask of white people. Mm-hmm. Like, should you be held accountable for the things that you did in your past? Yes. And you can apologize for them and you can be a changed person and we can believe that you're a changed person. But if there is a university who has a problem with something that you said in the past and they no longer want you on your show, that is their right. <laughs> they have every right to do that because you are the one who fucked up mm-hmm. your bag, mm-hmm. you know, and that is perfectly okay so i agree with that university i don't feel bad for her at all but also even when eureka was on her season Mm -hmm. she reminded me of some of the white women that i've worked with Mm -hmm. who have bullied me or have put me in positions where i've taken the blame for things and did not have my back Mm -hmm. But then when I've confronted them or at least addressed how I felt or the situation or asserted myself or defended myself in any way, then the tears would come. Then the like, well, I just feel attacked. And I just the like that victimhood. And I saw it on our season. Like, yes, the vixen was mad at everybody, but she was legitimately doing shit that was worthy of being mad at. And she just played this like, oh, well, you know, oh, I just feel like everyone's just attacking me. And like, like you said, like mm-hmm. she's she seems like a nice person. She seems like, you know, I like her drag. I really am. I'm a I'm a big fan of her style and mm-hmm. her drag. But when she comes out and says pr- problematic shit and then apologizes for it and then continues to do problematic shit, it's just like I have but so much sympathy mm-hmm. for people like that. Yeah. Uh, George, why don't you explain to Jamila uh, <laughs> what's going on? That's funny. Um, so, Jamila, I 100% agree with you. Um, what's interesting, though, about Eureka is that she she seemed to understand what you were saying, the concept of what you're saying, because in the end of her, her Facebook post, she goes, um, I, I've been so embarrassed to post about this. Um, you make your bed, you lay down in it, sleep. When you wake up, you have to make it up again, or it'll just be a messy bed to lay back in again. So she knows what she did in the past was wrong. And she's actually not even trying to like make excuses for what she did, which I think is fine, but she's done this time and time again and continues to do it. So one, she knows that what she's making mistakes, but two, she doesn't 
try to fix it, which is the biggest problem. From though, because a lot of people do that, and what that comes from is not doing anything to change, not doing real work to change, not like, hmm, you know what? Maybe I should start hanging around black queens more. Mm-hmm. And maybe I should just like, you know, surround myself and just kind of not to like be an opportunist, but to really like learn about people and really learn that what I'm saying is not okay. Mm-hmm. And it's really rubbing people the wrong way. Like she's not doing the work to change. She's yeah. just saying, I'm sorry. She said, I'm sorry. And also like that, that's just this, this experience that she's going through now, like in the past, like she just made excuses. Like um, she got some backlash because she was on Instagram live. I don't know how long ago, but she was talking about how people were calling her racist. And her excuse was, you know why I'm not racist It's because I wish I was black. And I'm like, girl, that's not, <laughs> that's not <laughs> anywhere near like an excuse at all. Like she just, I think she understands the concept of what she's doing is bad, but just doesn't do anything or doesn't have to do anything. Right. And also like wishing you were black is problematic in itself because like, what does that mean to you? What does being a black person mean to you, Eureka? You know, like I don't even want to know. I don't even want to know. It means you're really hip and you say all the cool things like jive turkey. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she just she puts her foot in her mouth way too much, and I don't know how she does that. Now, Evan, you're white. Do you want to weigh in here? Yeah, I'm, I'd like to take this opportunity to say that you guys are all wrong. Like, not to like, judge, not to judge your experience, but I'm going to tell you how you should be interpreting this experience for her. How on brand? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think. I mean, I think you guys have nailed it. And I think the only thing I will add to to Eureka is that yeah, she's the epitome of someone who is. She it's just best when she's silent. And like most recently during Black History Month, she tweeted something or posted something on Instagram, and Shay Coulee and a bunch of people like corrected her immediately. And it was like this was the one chance for you to do nothing and be right, and you're still not. This is a sign that you're not learning because you are making actions that are self-serving. And it's like the equivalent of like a twink posting a naked picture, being like thinking about New Zealand today. It's like no, <laughs> you're not doing this for your like. This is you're doing this for the wrong reasons and it's yeah. really just it's it's not in your interest to be to have a voice in this matter so no to I'm me with- it really is like if felicity huffman waited on college admissions it's like mm, no stop yeah. just never talk about college again felicity huffman yeah um and and uh and that's the thing too whenever you've seen eureka we've we've now we've, we've only seen very limited things with eureka dealing with this but Whenever I've seen Eureka Limited with trying to deal with this and even trying to make nice, she, she is still trying to tell you rather – she's trying to speak rather than listen. I think mm. if she listened more, we would have a, a different experience. But she doesn't listen. I she's going to tell like you. that's how people talk when they come from a place of privilege, when they come from a place where they're used to just people just all ears at what you have to say. And mm-hmm. like the the realization – that people don't give a fuck about what you have to say because you have squandered that for yourself mm-hmm. is probably really devastating to her. But I, I have no sympathy. All right. We should probably let the, the uh, African-American have the last word on this one. George, why don't you go ahead and, and what's the next topic? <laughs> so as an African-American African American woman. I, I, prefer, I prefer black. Okay. I prefer black. Wakanda American Jamila Zara. Go ahead. What's the next? <laughs> what's the next one, George? 
All right, well, that's going to do it for this edition of The First Response. Be sure to join us tomorrow, Friday. Uh, what will be the date? March something. I don't know. Uh, well, we're going to do uh, a whole breakdown of uh, Episode 4 of RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, we're going to talk about the Rachel Maddow mini-challenge. We're going to talk about Trump the Rusical. We're going to talk about Mercedes and her religion. We're going to talk about... Uh, uh, Evie oddly having problems with her joints. We're going to discuss it all tomorrow afternoon in your feed. Check it. That's where you're going to find the full recap with myself and Taylor the Latte Boy here on Drag Race Recap. See you tomorrow. <laughs>